Section 15 of The Seven Follies of Science This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Seven Follies of Science by John Finn Section 15 Micrography or Minute Writing and Microphotography Minute works of art have always excited the curiosity and commanded the admiration of the average man. Consequently, Cicero thought it worth while to record that the entire Iliad of Homer had been written upon parchment in characters so fine that the copy could be enclosed in a nutshell. This has always been regarded as a marvelous feat. There is in the French cabinet of medals a seal, said to have belonged to Michelangelo, the fabrication of which must date from a very remote epoch, and upon which fifteen figures have been engraved in a circular space of fourteen millimeters or point five five inch in diameter. These figures cannot be distinguished by the naked eye. The Ten Commandments have been engraved in characters so fine that they could be stamped upon one side of a nickel five-cent piece, and on several occasions the Lord's Prayer has been engraved on one side of a gold dollar, the diameter of which is six-tenths of an inch. I have also seen it written with a pen within a circle which measured four-tenths of an inch in diameter. In the Harleian Manuscript 530, there is an account of a, quote, rare piece of work brought to pass by Peter Bales, an Englishman, and a clerk of the Chancery, end quote. Disraeli tells us that it was, quote, the whole Bible in an English walnut, no bigger than a hen's egg. The nut holdeth the book. There are as many leaves in his little book as in the great Bible, and he hath written as much in one of his little leaves as a great leaf of the Bible. End quote. By most people such achievements are considered marvels of skill, and the newspaper accounts of them which are published always attract special attention. And it must be acknowledged that such work requires good eyes, steady nerves, and very delicate control of the muscles. But with ordinary writing materials, there are certain mechanical limitations which must prevent even the most skillful from going very far in this direction. These limitations are imposed by the fiber or grain of the paper and the construction of the ordinary pen, neither of which can be carried beyond a certain very moderate degree of fineness. Of course, the paper that is chosen will be selected on account of its hard, even-grained surface, and the pen will be chosen on account of the quality of its material and its shape, and the point is always carefully dressed on a whetstone so as to have both halves of the nib equal in strength and length, and the end smooth and delicate. When due preparation has been made, and when the eyes and nerves of the writer are in good condition, the smallness of the distinctly readable letters that may be produced is wonderful. And in this connection it is an interesting fact that in many mechanical operations, writing included, the hand is far more delicate than the eye. That which the unaided eye can see to write, the unaided eye can see to read, but the hand, without the assistance or guidance of the eye, can produce writing so minute that the best eyes cannot see to read it, and yet, when viewed under a microscope, it is found to compare favorably to the best writing of ordinary size and those who are conversant with the more delicate operations of practical mechanics know that this is no exceptional case. 
the only aid given by the eye in the case of such minute writing is the arrangement of the lines otherwise the writing could be done as well with the eyes shut as open since the mechanical limitations which we have noted prevent us from going very far with the instruments and materials mentioned the next step is to adopt a finer surface and a sharper point these conditions may be found in the fine glazed cards and the metal pencils or styles used by card writers in these cards the surface is nearly homogeneous that is to say free from fibers and the point of the metal pencil may be made as sharp as a needle but to utilize these conditions to the fullest extent it is necessary to aid the eye and a magnifier is therefore brought into use under a powerful glass the hand may be so guided by the eye that the writing produced cannot be read by the unaided vision the specimens of fine writing thus far described have been produced directly by the hand under the guidance either of a magnifier or the simple sense of motion just how far it would be possible to go by these means has never been determined so far as i know but those who have examined the specimens of selected diatoms and insect scales in which objects that are utterly invisible to the naked eye are arranged with great accuracy so as to form the most beautiful figures can readily believe that a combination of microscopical dexterity and skill in penmanship might easily go far beyond anything that has yet been accomplished in this direction either in ancient or modern times but by means of a very simple mechanical arrangement the motion of the hand in every direction may be accurately reduced or enlarged to almost any extent and it thus becomes possible to form letters which are inconceivably small the instrument by which this is accomplished is known as a pantograph and it has within a few years become quite popular as a means of reducing or enlarging pictures of various kinds including crayon reproductions of photographs its construction and use are therefore very generally understood it was by means of a very finely made instrument embodying the principles of the pantograph that the extraordinarily fine work which we are about to describe was accomplished it is obvious however that in order to produce very fine writing we must use a very fine pen or point and the finer the point the sooner does it wear out so that in a very short time the lines which go to form the letters become thick and blurred and the work is rendered illegible as a consequence of this when the finest specimens of writing are required it is necessary to abandon the use of ordinary points and surfaces and to resort to the use of the diamond for a pen and glass for a surface upon which to write one of the earliest attempts in this direction was that of monsieur Fromont of paris who engraved on glass within a circle the one-thirtieth of an inch in diameter the coat of arms of england lion unicorn and crown with the following inscription partly in roman letters partly in script quote, oni soit qui mal y pense her most gracious majesty queen victoria and his royal highness prince albert dieu et mon droit written on occasion of the great exhibition by Fromont à paris eighteen fifty one end quote. the late dr barnard president of columbia college had in his possession a copy of the device borne by the seal of columbia college new york executed for him by m du moulin fromont within a circle less than three one hundredths of an inch in diameter quote, in which are embraced four human figures and various other objects 
which together with inscriptions in latin greek and hebrew are clearly illegible in this device the rising sun is represented in the horizon the diameter of the disc being about three one thousandths of an inch this disc has been cross-hatched by the draughtsman in the original design from which the copy was made and the copy shows the marks of the cross-hatching with perfect distinctness when this beautiful and delicate drawing is brought clearly out by a suitably adjusted illumination the lines appear as if traced by a smooth point in a surface of opaque ice lardner in his book on the microscope published in eighteen fifty six gives a woodcut which shows the first piece of engraving magnified one hundred twenty diameters but he said that he was not at liberty to describe the method by which it was done as it happens in almost all such cases however the very secrecy with which the process was surrounded naturally stimulated others to rival or surpass it and mr n peters a london banker turned his attention to the subject and soon invented a machine which produced results far exceeding anything that m fromont had accomplished on april twenty five eighteen fifty five mr farrance read before the microscopical society of london a full account of the peters machine with which the inventor had written the lord's prayer in the ordinary writing character without abbreviation or contraction of any kind in a space not exceeding the one hundred and fifty thousandth of a square inch seven years later mr farrance as president of the microscopical society described further improvements in the machine of mr peters and made the following statement quote, the lord's prayer has been written and may be read in the one three hundred and fifty six thousandths of an english square inch the measurements of one of these specimens was verified by dr bowerbank with a difference of not more than one five millionths of an inch and that difference small as it is arose from his not including the prolongation of the letter f in the sentence deliver us from evil so he made the area occupied by the writing less than that stated above some idea of the minuteness of the characters in these specimens may be obtained from the statement that the whole bible and testament in writing of the same size might be placed twenty-two times on the surface of a square inch the grounds for this startling assertion are as follows quote, the bible and testament together in the english language are said to contain three million five hundred sixty six thousand four hundred eighty letters the number of letters in the lord's prayer as written ending in the sentence deliver us from evil is two hundred twenty three whence as three million five hundred sixty six thousand four hundred eighty divided by two hundred twenty three is equal to fifteen thousand nine hundred twenty two it appears that the bible and testament together contain the same number of letters as the lord's prayer written sixteen thousand times if then the prayer were written in one sixteen thousandth of an inch the bible and testament in writing of the same size would be contained by one square inch but as one three hundred fifty six thousand of an inch is one twenty seconds part of one fifteen thousand nine hundred twenty seconds of an inch it follows that the bible and testament in writing of that size would occupy less space than one twenty-second of a square inch it only now remains to be seen that minute as are the letters written by this machine 
they are characterized by a clearness and precision of form which proves that the moving parts of the machine while possessing the utmost delicacy of freedom are absolutely destitute of shake a union of requisites very difficult of fulfilment but quite indispensable to the satisfactory performance of the apparatus i have no information in regard to the present whereabouts of any of the specimens turned out by mr peters an inquiry in london among persons likely to know has not supplied any information on the subject there was however another micrographer mr william webb of london who succeeded in producing some marvellous results epigrams and also the lord's prayer written in the one thousandth part of a square inch have been freely distributed mr webb also produced a few copies of the second chapter of the gospel according to john written on the scale of the whole bible to a little more than three-quarters of a square inch and of the lord's prayer written on the scale of the whole bible eight times on a square inch mr webb died about fifteen years ago and i believe he has had no successor in the art specimens of his work are quite scarce most of them having found their way into the cabinets of public museums and societies who are unwilling to part with them the late dr woodward director of the army medical museum washington d c procured two of them on special order for the museum mr webb had brought out these fine writings as tests for certain qualities of the microscope and it was to quote, serve as tests for higher power objectives end quote, that dr woodward procured the specimens now in the microscopical department of the museum i am so fortunate as to have in my possession two specimens of mr webb's work one is an ordinary microscopical glass slide three inches by one and in the centre is a square speck which measures one forty-fifth of an inch on the side upon the square is written the whole of the second chapter of the gospel according to st john the chapter which contains the account of the marriage in cana of galilee in order to estimate the space which the whole bible would occupy if written on the same scale as this chapter i have made the following calculation which i think will be more easily followed and checked by my readers than that of mr Farrance. the text of the old version of the bible as published in minion by the american bible society contains one thousand two hundred seventy two pages exclusive of title pages and blanks each page contains two columns of fifty-eight lines each making one hundred sixteen lines to the page this includes the headings of the chapters and the synopsis of their contents which are therefore thrown in to make good measure we have therefore one thousand two hundred seventy two pages of one hundred sixteen lines each making a total of one hundred forty seven thousand five hundred fifty two lines the second chapter of st john has twenty-five verses containing ninety-five lines and it is written on the one two thousand twenty-fifth of an inch or in other words it would go two thousand twenty-five times on a square inch a square inch would therefore contain ninety-five times two thousand twenty-five or one hundred ninety-two thousand three hundred seventy-five lines this number one hundred ninety two thousand three hundred and seventy five divided by the number of lines in the bible one hundred forty seven thousand five hundred fifty two gives one thousand three hundred seven which is the number of times the bible might be written on a square inch in letters of the same size 
In other words, the whole Bible might be written on point seventy-seven inch, or very little more than three-quarters of a square inch. Perhaps the following gives a more impressive illustration. The United States silver quarter of a dollar is point nine five inch in diameter, so that the surface of each side is point seven zero seven of a square inch. The whole Bible would, therefore, very nearly go on one side of a quarter of a dollar. If the blank spaces at the heads of the chapters and the synopsis of contents were left out, it would easily go on one side. The second specimen, which I have of Mr. Webb's writing, is a copy of the Lord's Prayer written on a scale of eight Bibles to the square inch. According to a statement kindly sent to me by the superintendent of the United States Mint at Philadelphia, the diameter of the last issued gold dollar, and also of the silver half dime, is six-tenths of an inch. This gives point two eight two seven plus of a square inch as the area of the surface of one side, and therefore the whole Bible might be written more than two and a quarter times on one side of either the gold dollar or the silver half dime. Such numerical and space relations are far beyond the power of any ordinary mind to grasp. With the aid of a microscope, we can see the object and compare with other magnifications the rate at which it is enlarged, and a person of even the most ordinary education can follow the calculation and understand why the statements are true. But the final result, like the duration of eternity or the immensity of space, conveys no definite idea to our minds. But at the same time we must carefully distinguish between our want of power to grasp these ideas and our inability to form a conception of some inconceivable subject, such as the fourth dimension or the mode of action of a new sense. Wonderful as these achievements are, there is another branch of the microscopic art which, from the practical applications which have been made from it, is even more interesting. This is the art of microphotography. About the middle of the last century, Mr. J. B. Dancer of Manchester, England, produced certain minute photographs of well-known pictures and statues which commanded the universal attention of the microscopists of that day, and for a time formed the center of attraction at all microscopical exhibitions. They have now, however, become so common that they receive no special notice. Mr. Dancer and other artists also produced copies of the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, the Declaration of Independence, etc., on such a scale that the Lord's Prayer might be covered with the head of a common pin, and yet, when viewed under a very moderate magnifying power, every letter was clear and distinct. I have now before me a slip of glass, three inches long and one inch wide, in the center of which is an oval photograph which occupies less than the one two hundredth of a square inch. This photograph contains the Declaration of Independence, with the signatures of all the signers, surrounded by portraits of the presidents and the seals of the original thirteen states. Under a moderate power, every line is clear and distinct. In the same way, copies of such famous pictures as Landseer's Stag at Bay, although almost invisible to the naked eye, come out beautifully clear and distinct under the microscope, so that it has been suggested that one might have an extensive picture gallery in a small box or pack away copies of all the books in the congressional library in a small handbag. With such means at our command, it would be a simple matter to condense a bulky dispatch into a few little films, which might be carried in a quill or concealed in ways which would have been impossible with the original. 
if major andre had been able to avail himself of this mode of reducing the bulk of the original papers he might have carried without danger of discovery those reports which caused his capture and led to his death and hereafter the ordinary methods of searching suspected spies will have to be exchanged for one that is more efficient the most interesting application of microphotography of which we have any record occurred during the franco-prussian war of eighteen seventy to seventy one on september twenty one eighteen seventy the germans so completely surrounded the french capital that all communication by roads railways and telegraphs was cut off and the only way of escape from the city was through the air on april twenty three the first balloon left paris and in a short time after that a regular balloon post was established letters and packages being sent out at intervals of three to seven days in order to get news back to the city carrier pigeons were employed and at first the letters were simply written on very thin paper and enclosed in quills which were fastened to the middle tail feather of the bird as shown in the engraving figure twenty one it is of course needless to say that the ordinary pictures of doves with letters tied round their necks or love notes attached to their wings are all mere romance a bird loaded in that way would soon fall a prey to its enemies as it was some of the pigeons were shot by german gunners or captured by hawks trained by the germans for the purpose but the majority got safely through written communications however were of necessity bulky and heavy and therefore monsieur dagron a parisian photographer suggested that the news be printed in large sheets of which microphotographs could be made and transferred to colloidian positives which might then be stripped from the glass and would be very light this was done the colloidian pellicles measuring about ten centimetres or four inches square and containing about three thousand average messages eighteen of these pellicles weighed less than one gram or fifteen grains and were easily carried by a single pigeon the pigeons having been bred in paris and sent out by balloons always returned to their dovecotes in that city monsieur dagron left paris by balloon on november twelfth and after a most adventurous voyage being nearly captured by a german patrol he reached tours and there established his headquarters and organized a regular system of communication with the capital the results were most satisfactory upwards of two and a half millions of messages having been sent into the city even postal orders and drafts were transmitted in this way and duly honored and thus through the pigeon post aided by microphotography paris was enabled to keep in touch with the outer world and the anxiety of thousands of families was relieved it is not likely however that the pigeon post will ever again come into use for this purpose our interest in it is now merely historical for in the next great siege if we ever have one the wireless telegraph will no doubt take its place and messages which no hawks can capture and no guns can destroy will be sent directly over the heads of the besiegers but let us hope and pray that the savage and unnecessary war which is now being waged in the east will be the last and that in the near future two or more of the great nations of the globe will so police the world that peace on earth and good will toward men will everywhere prevail end of section fifteen